Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. These two guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. Hello. Everybody We're who back. has jumped back on the bandwagon, <laughs> those of you who departed the bandwagon and are now back on the bandwagon, welcome to a Timberwolves lifestyle podcast here. Kyle and Phil, flagrant howls. And uh, we were texting last night. Uh, you had some things going on. I had a travel nightmare. We were both, you know what? We needed that uplifting positivity of, of a Timberwolves win. We needed the Anthony Edwards experience. And at least we, we weren't at the game, but like, an electric arena with the 16 people that appeared to be in the arena. So all is, all is right with the Timberwolves world. And we'll dive into all of it here. And a couple big questions, Kyle, uh, a good feeling after last night. Yeah. With all due respect to maybe like, I don't know, Chris Finch's job security or Tim, Tim Connolly. Uh, no one needed that win more than us. Uh, you and I had a couple uh sketchy situations this week, but we're back. Um, and all we've really missed since the last time we spoke, uh, not a lot has happened. The Wolves have just pretty much had their worst loss of the season, uh, their best win of the season, and their best player, we thought, tore his Achilles, and now he's out with a calf strain. So other than that, it's been a pretty chill week uh, in Timberwolves Nation. Can I just can I just ask you the question right now? I think yep. I knew it was coming because you texted me last night. <laughs> let's just let's just throw it out there. We we talked about this a little on Mackie and Judd here today. Do you think the Timberwolves are better without Carl Anthony Towns? I know it's an absurd question to ask seeing what we saw against the Pacers a week ago with all hands on deck and knowing that it was a one game sample, but it is the question that people are kicking around. Is Carl, is this the Bill Simmons Ewing theory? Is this a DeMarcus Cousins, Kevin Love situation where like you just have this freakishly talented box score stuffing big man that doesn't actually translate into the rest of the team, be it for leadership or other reasons or vibes or whatever. Um, do you think the Wolves are or would be better without Carl Anthony Towns? The lame answer is TBD, and I don't know because, again, I needed that win last night for a variety of reasons, and it was <laughs> awesome. But I just want to like, and we'll dive into some numbers, and I have a cool little comp I want to send to you, but... uh. They were out-rebounded by 30 rebounds. I think that's the first yeah. time a team has been out-rebounded by 30 rebounds and won a game in like five years. Uh, they shot 30% from three. Uh, there was a lot of things that I don't think you can replicate moving forward and continue to win games, things that Carl does well, shoot threes, rebound. But I think you could word the question in a different way of, is are the Timberwolves better when Anthony Edwards is the alpha? I don't always love alpha beta conversations, but the driving night, force, the driving yeah, last, force last night was mean. I, I, you know, I've, I've always defended Carl a little more than others. Cause I think personality wise, he's not like a bad guy, but you've also brought up some really good things about just being a little quirky, having a uh, kind of a personality that doesn't really inspire people or lead people. And Anthony Edwards up until I think mostly last night has been a kid. He has always smiled. He's always laughed. He's always made us, you know, just said funny things, played well, played well, not so well sometimes. He got literally punched in the face last night. Um, and that's like a saying, but it's also like, how do you respond to getting punched in the face? Yeah. And he stopped smiling. He stopped laughing. He was ready to throw down. And all he did then was literally grab the game by the throat, close it out, 
and wave goodbye to John Morant and Dylan Brooks, who, by the way, I don't really like to talk a lot of smack about other players on other teams. It's just not my thing. I would rather pour Memphis barbecue sauce into my eyeballs than cheer for that Dylan Brooks guy. He sucks. What a <laughs> tremendously... He thinks he's Kobe with P.J. Tucker's game. Like, he is just a lunatic. He shoots um, four for 16 every night. And, yep. and 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 it's like that 51st Dates movie. <laughs> and then just, like, wakes up the next day and forgets that he yep. can't shoot. <laughs> he is. I mean, he... And, and Grizzlies fans, because I'm kind of close with some of them through the playoffs, like, they also... He's tough on them. Like, he is uber confident without the resume. But, uh, but no, I mean, last night, you know, to the Carl thing... I've never seen Carl. Well, there's been a couple times I was referenced the Milwaukee game last year where Carl just was all business, won the game, and after the game was like, you know, I heard all the noise and I responded. Okay. But Ant got punched in the face and he just said, this is my team. I mean, again, you know, D'Lo, I thought played okay, 15 and 10. He didn't shoot the ball all that well. Rudy Gobert is not going to be the guy to elevate this team. He just doesn't. It, it, at the end of the day, this is still a scoring league, an offensive league, a guards league. But Anthony Edwards last night was like, this is what it looks like if Ant is your number one, if he is your alpha, because what he does when he goes like Dragon Ball Z, Super Saiyan, he it's it's infectious. And that's the one thing that Carl, I don't think I've ever seen is his energy is infectious. Yes. And it makes other guys kind of like black out in a way. It's like, oh, my God, like I'm just going to play my balls off here for this guy who is literally doing everything on the court. Yes. the uh, Yeah. The words inspiring and. Yeah. You know, I, I tweeted this during the the game last night that culture and vibes matter in mm -hmm. basketball. Mm -hmm. They matter in almost every context, but they yep. matter on a basketball court. And there's just, I think you can say two things. I think you can say that Carl is statistically the best player the Timberwolves have. Mm -hmm. He is statistically one of the best players in Timberwolves history. And he is statistically one of the best players in the league as well. But for whatever reason, his, be it demeanor, his leadership style, quote unquote, um, the way that he plays, the the harumph sort of personality that I keep referring to, uh, he tends to have kind of a basketball victim personality on the court too. There's just, there's something about his numbers that don't translate to the rest of the team always. Mm-hmm. I'm also not saying this is, is such a nuanced discussion because I think it's, it tends to turn into you're saying cat's the problem. No, I'm saying cat's impact on winning does not equate to the numbers that he puts up, but you would think that the numbers he puts up just like Kevin love from 10 years ago. Holy crap. This guy's, didn't he have a season where he was averaging like 26, 15, and like yeah. three assists or something? Yep. And they were not good. They were right. not, they could not sniff 500. And, uh, you know, we mentioned DeMarcus Cousins, Stefan Marbury as a guard was kind of like this at three or four different stops. It was 20 points, 10 assists. Like, like his teams lose. There's in basketball, you can put up numbers, but not have that, those numbers and your impact inspire the team or, you know, set the culture or whatever it is. And so I think my long rambling point here is you can be statistically great, mm -hmm. but not have it necessarily uh, impact the team or team wins in the same way. Like the 2010 and five is not the same one place as it is in another place. Unlike say baseball, where you're just getting up there and like, if you can hit a home run in a one-on-one -on -one matchup, it helps your team. Mm -hmm. um, there's something about cat that doesn't live up to the box score. That's what I'm saying. And speaking of box score, like let's not pretend as as high as I was last night on Ant. He had 29, five and three. And so, I mean, it wasn't like the greatest statistical game. Yeah, he didn't drop 45 or, something. or anything, yeah. but it was these things like these, like rotational coming over to help and block a shot or like defend a guy one-on-one, -on -one, like, you know, full court or, a dunk or I mean the, the if you watch that game again the play that I knew the game was over even though I think it was just a five-point lead that went into a timeout because it's become this viral meme now when he threw that lob and the, the stadium was rocking he threw that lob to Rudy the guy that he never passes the ball to according to Twitter that's when it was over right because those are the plays it's like the breakaway dunk the flying through the air like that's what's inspiring as a fan again it's not 
it's almost like I'm apologies to all the big guys in the world, but big guys just don't really inspire you. Joel Embiid's play is much higher than Carl's, but he inspires you by like kind of ramping up the fans and like his actions. And that's kind of what Ant does too. So yeah, I, again, I watched a team last night that spent a lot of time dribbling all five guys inside the paint or inside the lane because they had no floor spacing. Mm -hmm. Um, So they need the talent that whether or not one day this, you know, one day this doesn't work. Right. And Tim Connolly's escape plan is to trade Carl who's younger is going to fetch you more assets and then build around an ant. And then you have your, you know, your seven foot two guy at the rim. But so they're not, I don't think they're better without Carl, but I think they're better when Ant is the guy driving the bus. Yeah, that's fair. And Ant, maybe Ant and Carl, it's not that they are terrible together, but they're a little, personality-wise, they're oil and water. And stylistically, I don't know that they're a perfect blend. Um, they're they're going to have to figure some of this out because Carl's going to come back. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is a good segue into, you, you texted me an interesting anecdote about the Grizzlies, but... You know, I think the, the blessing in disguise here, it's, and and just to back up again, I am not suggesting, well, one game, therefore just kick Carl to the curb, and it's just addition by extraction, basically. I am not saying that. And if I ever get to the point again where I've been before, where I'm <laughs> kind of calling for a Carl Anthony Towns trade officially, which I'm not yet, that can't happen until the summer. So yep. he's going to come back. But... Maybe this four to six week stretch is a blessing in disguise in that Anthony Edwards can okay, dude, this is your car to drive now. So like Ru- Rudy's not driving. Rudy's a force defensively and and he's gonna do Rudy things, but he's not like the guy driving the car here. Mm-hmm. Uh Delo's had the keys once in a while and he can drive a little bit, but the driver's seat's open. Yeah, he's kinda so, yeah, he's he's kinda like my mom. Like she'll drive from like Grand Forks to Fargo, but she's not trying to drive four or five straight hours. Yeah. She'll give you know, she'll drive for an hour, but then we're stopping Switching drivers, going to the bathroom type thing. So Anthony Edwards, sit in there for 12 hours. Truck driver. Yep. <laughs> he'll he'll, 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 he'll do the long distance thing. No, and that's why, again, I joked at the top. That that Washington Wizards game at halftime, I know you were stuck on a tarmac somewhere, but uh, they're down like 20. Like that was probably the lowest point of the season. And then to come out in the third and then like lose Carl, I can't express enough. I'm going to say two things. Like one, if he would have torn his Achilles, it would have been the first time that even an eternal optimist like me was like, all right, maybe we got to fold this up. Because you tear your Achilles on November 30th or November 28th, you're out till 2024. They couldn't have traded him this summer. They couldn't have done it. They would have just lost a player forever, and he might not have, never have come back as strong as he was. Mm-hmm. So they dodged a bullet there. But, and I hate this with injuries, but I'm with you. The phrase that you just said, blessing in disguise, it was so bad after the Wizards game. It was like, how do you respond to that? Just, I guess, throw the same starting five against the Grizzlies? No, you can't do that. Now you have a little sympathy. Now you have a little window. Now you can try something completely different. The Ant Show, you know, the the Gobert-Utah team, um, they're going to get Jaden back this weekend for sure. Uh, so now you can kind of see what that all looks like with more guards and play a little smaller, have the guy at the rim to protect the rim. That's kind of what I've all – we said this in like August. That's what I thought the escape plan always looked like is that it's Ant and Jaden with Rudy, you know, anchoring the back, using Carl and D'Lo to get whatever assets you can to fill around them. So, yeah, I it, from the worst moment to the best moment, I thought this week, just another ride on the roller coaster. Yeah. Um, another thing from last night here, and by the way, we will uh, we will dive into your comments here on Flagrant House. <laughs> we all, we're always monitoring the Scorn Earth YouTube channel and Twitter, so we want to make this kind of a two-way street show here, but... This notion, I and this is probably just me overreacting to a few random voices on like Twitter and email, but I watched the game without like combing through the box score. Mm-hmm. And so watching the game and then looking at the box score, I was kind of shocked that Rudy Gobert only had one rebound and one block. Mm-hmm. He was literally brought in here to grab rebounds and block shots and protect the rim. And uh, and he and and do it against teams like Memphis, for instance. And he only had one rebound and one block. And I saw a lot of people kind of complaining about it. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, Carl's out, and Rudy was supposed to do these things, and he didn't do anything last night. I said, dude, watching the game with my eyes, I thought Rudy was one of the most impactful players for the 26 minutes when he wasn't in foul trouble. 
especially in the fourth quarter, almost every single Memphis possession was thwarted or altered in some way because Rudy was in the paint just being Rudy. Yep. John Morant had a harder time getting to the places that he wants to get to. The The Grizzlies turned the ball over 24 times. I saw a 27 number floating out there, but the official box score number is 24, 24. turnovers for the Grizz. Uh, that's not just because, like, they were sloppy. That's another narrative from last night. Well, I mean, the Grizzlies played this awful game. Yeah, in large part because it's oh, hard know. to get where you want to get when Rudy Gobert is there. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert, this is one of the classic Rudy Gobert games where the things he's doing aren't showing up as stats. His presence is like, it's like putting a giant boulder in a fish tank or something. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> that's a good one. Actually. You know, it's like, oh, the water has to disperse somewhere. It, the the boulder didn't get a blocked fish or mm-hmm. like it didn't it didn't like kill a fish or anything but now there's just a thing here that you have to maneuver around that wasn't there before that was my observation of the game last i thought he had a huge impact even though he only had one rebound and we both don't love plus minus but every now and then you can kind of dabble in one game he was like a second best on the team like plus 13 um which again just kind of tells you that when he was on the floor you know the team was outscoring the opponent in a very dumbed down way. But yeah, also too, are you more concerned that Rudy Gobert had one rebound in a game than he fought his you know tail off against Steven Adams, who is probably one of the five strongest dudes in the league. Like he is modern day Pekovich in terms of just a boulder t- to move in the post. But like Russell, like D'Lo had five rebounds, right? Like it just kind of like, it wasn't like Rudy had one rebound and no one else had any rebounds. It just kind of the other guys elevated a little bit. Again, I don't want to gloss over the fact they're out-rebounded by 30. That is borderline criminal. Um, But, yeah, to your point, there's just – if I really always tell people that sometimes go back. You can, like, watch the the, uh, condensed version of a game on League Pass or something or just fast forward. He just is – guys like to challenge Rudy, and it makes them – they think about it more. Like, okay, we want want to go at this guy – but sometimes when they're doing that, it's just taking them off of, you know, other things they should be doing on offense or thinking about plays or, you know, passing the teammates. And he just does a lot of stuff. This is what Utah Jazz fans said every year when they were voting for him for MVP or all defense. It's like he does so much more than statistics show. He just is a deterrent, even if he's not the guy that finishes the play by grabbing the ball or finishes the play by blocking it. And last night he was I thought he was really good last night. And he also, too, what did they do last night? We're not throwing him the ball anymore. No more post-ups, right? Again, going back to the Ant show, Ant's driving. I don't know. Rudy's in the back somewhere. But we're not going to just force him the ball anymore. We're going to yeah. give it to our guards and let them kind of dictate the pace. Yeah, but he did. I think he had two or three lob throwdowns yes. in that mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. And that's how he should be used, right? Like, he's not Hakeem Olajuwon. Don't throw him the ball and expect a sky hook. So, yeah, I thought he was really good last night. Steven Adams, I mean, that Grizzlies front court is maybe, I don't know, the toughest, biggest, strongest in the league. Uh, he had to go against Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson. They got other big guys. So I thought he played really well and kind of also stayed out of the way and did the little dirty things that you, you know, you, you're you not getting right now because Jaden's out or Jordan McLaughlin's out or those types of things. By the way, I was I was not looking at the box score, and I was sort of joking when I made the uh, the four for 16 every night joke about Dylan Brooks. He literally went four for 14 <laughs> last night. So also, wasn't, wasn't that far off. <laughs> a box score thing that my dad pointed out to me, but like last night was the ant show. Anthony Edwards growing up, becoming an adult, punching back. I didn't know Jalen Noel took more shots than him. <laughs> and that's Jalen Noel was shout to Jalen Noel. He's probably a, his best game of the season last night. Yep. Yeah, I think after the game, Britt Robson said something like in like in post game stuff like, Yeah, it seemed like you were like hunting offense tonight or something. And Jalen was like, I'm always hunting offense. It's yeah. like, okay, that guy is not <laughs> lacking confidence whatsoever. <laughs> so uh yeah, I mean Jalen took more shots. He was great. They're going to he hit 24 points. They're going to need him because back to the Carl thing without Carl, whatever you think about him, he gets buckets and like Jalen, you got to just bring it now, man. The confidence, the worry about your future contract, where you're going to be, your role, like you're going to get minutes now moving forward and you have to produce. And he's one of the few guys on this team that can get his own shot. So he played do, phenomenal. Do you want to play the lineup combination game here, which we yes. like to play? Yes, week? let's go back into yeah. that. And then I have a, right. a little comp for you. Yes. Uh, so the we, we like to look into which lineup combinations are working, which ones aren't. The Timberwolves, in terms of two-man lineup combinations that have played enough minutes. So these are these are all combinations that have played at least 150 minutes on the court together. So enough of a sample size. These guys okay, have been out yeah, there yeah. together. Okay. 
the third best lineup combination, net points per 100 possessions, was just, just two-man pairings, Ant and Jalen Noel. Those guys together are electric. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it gets a little weird and wonky defensively. And sometimes those guys will just, like, put up bad shots. But the net is a net, net positive. That, again, mm-hmm. per 100 possessions, these guys are plus eight points scored versus given up when they're on the court together. The only two lineup combos, partnerships, tandems, if you will, that are better, Jordan McLaughlin and Torian Prince is a plus 20 together when they're on the court per 100 possessions. And then uh, Jalen Noel and Carl Anthony Towns is another great pairing. Those guys have some chemistry over the years. In terms of... um, Cat and Gobert on the court at the same time together. So they've now played 400 minutes together, and they won't again for probably a couple months. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much break even. It's uh, they're, they're minus one point net per 100 possessions, which could be looked at one of two ways. You could say, well, that's unfortunate. You're paying these guys like, you know, a combined $90 million or $80 million or whatever yeah, it is, and they're GDP when they're on the long. court together, yeah. it's, a, it's a minus one point uh, per 100 possessions. You could also look at it and say, well, this was a really difficult pairing on paper to begin with, and it's not a train wreck. Mm -hmm. It's not, and you know, maybe the logic is, God, if those guys can kind of play break even when they're on the court together while they figure it out in the first season, and then you find some other combinations that work. I don't know. I'm probably trying to, ideally, you'd want those guys together to be better than break even, but we are only 20 games of this thing. But anyways, Jalen Noel and Anthony Edwards together, is one of the most electric pairings this team can put out on the floor. I fully agree. I also, the haters, loved to point out after every win who wasn't playing for the opponent. Like, yeah, the Wolves won, but yeah, this and this and this. So, yeah, yeah, the Wolves won, but the Grizzlies didn't have Desmond Bain. Even though the Wolves were without Torian Prince and Jaden McDaniels and Jordan McLaughlin and Carl Anthony Towns. And they're going to get some of those guys back as early as this Saturday. It's actually weird. We're recording this on Thursday. They have, like, one game in between now and next Wednesday. So they have like yeah. a bunch of time off, so they should get guys back. But yeah, if they can kind of lean into this Jalen and Ant thing, get Jane McDaniels back, who is hands down their best defender, um, get Torian Prince back maybe next week, who, you know, again, this team needs shooting. Um, but I did, that kind of segues a little bit into, into my thing. You mentioned the Ewing theory at the top. So just going to throw this at you. I did text it to you, but I thought it was interesting and I wanted to talk about it. The Memphis Grizzlies, last night's opponent, started last year, Nine and 10. Six of those first 10 losses were by 20 or more points, including a 43 point loss to our Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. Why is that interesting? Because at nine and 10, in that 19th game, the Grizzlies lost John Morant to a knee injury. And then the Grizzlies went on to win 10 of their next 11. A little Ewing theory, right? They just had other guys forced into bigger roles. It's kind of when Desmond Bain became the bane of our existence. Like that's when he kind of popped off. Um, and I really think that could, you look at their December schedule, they're like 15 games, six at home, nine on the road. They have a chance here to like kind of replicate that. Does it answer the Carl Rudy thing? No. Does, you know, there'll be so many questions we have to answer now in 2023 when Carl comes back, but this team has a chance to replicate what Memphis did by just, okay, the younger guys have to step up. We're going to lean more into what we think is maybe the face of the franchise. Uh, and I just thought it was an interesting comp because Memphis and the Wolves are tied so closely together that there's no reason the Wolves can't. Everyone gets to play their normal role now. Everyone gets to kind of do what they're used to, what they're comfortable doing, and maybe this team can fire off some wins. Yes. So how much much of the Wolves' ups and downs so far? Forget about Towns for a minute, but how much of it can be chalked up to just are they all in engaged for the night? Do oh. are, are are they opting in to play defense tonight? Mm-hmm. Is Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards fully opted in mm-hmm. when he gets to the arena tonight? Well, and Ant said it last night. He's like, we think Memphis is our rival, so we get up for that, and that was cool. But it was also like kind of concerning. You should be getting up for every game though. because like the Thunder aren't your rival, and you play them on Saturday, and like they're bad now. Them and the Spurs. Some of these teams have really fallen off. They're ready to start tanking. Like I, we're gonna need you to get up for Saturday's game. Right. Like we're now in this period where it's like, okay, you need to kind of inspire the team because I was amped about last night's performance. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, let's see it for two or three games as if Anthony Edwards has played one good game in 162 or whatever. So 
yeah, they need to replicate what they did last night on the road. Like they need to be energetic. They need to fill passing lanes. They need to pass the ball around more. I mean, we haven't even said this yet 30 minutes in, but Wendell Moore, welcome to the show. Like, yes, dude. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a great story from last night. It's fantastic. So the, it's the fantastic. Wolves put their, they put their starting lineup out, and the initial starting lineup was Rudy Gobert, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Kyle Anderson, and then and then Jalen Noel was going to mm-hmm. start, too. So mm-hmm. you were just going to go super small and then Gobert. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kyle Anderson was basically going to be your power forward, and you were going to play <laughs> ball handlers. And then uh, a few minutes before the game, they changed the starting lineup, and even behind the scenes, somebody reported they went to Wendell Moore and said, hey, so you're going to play. He wasn't even sure if he was going to play because a, yeah. a lot of these guys come up from Iowa. I mean, like Josh Minot, Luca Garza, they just kind of. They They're just, just emergency a, a, options, yeah. Yeah, uh, DNP, CD, right? And, and so a few minutes before the game, Wendell Moore was told, not only are you going to play tonight, congratulations, but uh, you're starting and you're probably going to be guarding John Morant. <laughs> Literally, from time to time, today. yeah. So <laughs> literally, the equivalent, I guess, of being an entry level employee, and just five minutes before being like, "Hey, you're actually going to present to the board. Yes. No big deal." But like, I'm going to need you to like convince the board to make this merger <laughs> or something. So, and it and it was kind of rickety because they fell down by double digits like right away, and you're thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh God, this is a disaster." And I think Wendell Moore himself was like a minus thirteen or something yep. after his first shift. But that, but when, but when he came back in the game, he re, he actually really settled in, made plays. He was rebounding, he was moving the ball around. So he definitely played himself at, at least until they get. It's possible once they get Jade McDaniel's back and uh, Torian Prince, like there's just not going to be a place. But but I th- I think he earned himself 15 to 20 minutes here and there with that performance last night. And so I got to see him a lot in Vegas and like summer league. Um, and my my take was always that I thought he had a higher floor than Josh Minot, who was like their other pick in the second round, but a lower ceiling. I just think a 6'10 guy who can shoot and jump all around, like Josh Minot has a pretty high, interesting ceiling of what he could be on this team. So I'm not not to rain on Wendell Moore's parade, but like I didn't think he did a ton last night, but it's kind of crazy on the flip side. It's because he just did basic things, and that's all this team needed. Like, hey, can you – do you know can you know how to sprint back? You can. Oh, cool. You should start. Um, like, do you know how to hit an occasional three? Oh, yeah, dude. Go spot up in the corner. I mean, he didn't only have two assists, but no turnovers. Um, and more than anything, he just when the ball got to him, because of this Iowa Wolves like Kool-Aid that they drink down there, he I always say the the G League guys know the offense better than the Timberwolves best players. Like they, they mean, I think Wendell Moore might know Finch's desired offense better than Ant. <laughs> Right, because that's all they do down there is just pass and move, pass and move. So there was one time last night where he got the ball and he just whipped it to the corner and they got an open three for Austin Rivers. Like, yeah, that's that's all we need from you. We just need you to be, you know, solid is enough. We just need you to not make mistakes and try. And then, yeah, defensively, again, he didn't pop in Vegas because he's not like super athletic or he's not big. Like I was standing next to him. I was like, okay, like I could maybe start for the Wolves. But he just was smart. I mean, he's from Duke, right? Like, he knows how to play. He's been in Coach K's system. Like, he he just stayed in front of Morant. Um, Morant had a terrible game. Like, you have to credit some of that to the rookie. And yes. he just, you know, it was great. And, and two, the whole idea, I don't know if people think about this enough, but my joke about an entry-level employee, like, you got to get some preparation to be in a spot like that. It's hard to guard John Morant if you're, like, Tony Allen in his prime, let alone this rookie kid. It's like, oh, hey, you're actually going to suit up and start and you got to guard the best player. I thought he was fantastic, even in a limited role. Um, and now Finch has another idea of who I can trust in situations. If you know Austin Rivers doesn't have it, I can go to Wendell Moore. So this team needs all the perimeter defense they can have. Um, and yeah, shout out to Wendell Moore because that was a tough spot for the kid and he, he definitely popped. And it, and it just like you, you kind of alluded to this, but the Wolves have so many guys on their team in their rotation that aren't great at moving the ball always. They have to be kind of like reminded and prodded. Okay, D'Lo, all right, let's, come on, let's go. Let's get this thing moving around. Okay, Ant, okay, he's going to do his little Ant thing. He's going to you know dribble, step back, whatever. And and Jalen Noel does it. And Cat can be kind of a black hole sometimes. He'll get into it. Um, and so when, when Jordan McLaughlin is out there and Wendell Moore last night and Austin Rivers too, like yep, yep. it's, there's like three or four guys that they've just sort of mixed in for periods of the season where it's, Oh, okay. Those guys are kind of playing hot potato with the basketball in a productive way. They're just trying to get the ball going around and move. 
and it and it stands out. I actually kind of like the Austin Rivers minutes early here too. I, I did too. I mean, he's again, he's an adult, and this team needs that. Yeah. Um, his shot. I think he was. What was he last night? One, for, two for four, one for three from three. But his shot hasn't really been there specifically. Um, he gives you, he makes you honest or keeps you honest. But um, yeah, he was just in the passing lanes. He knew what to do. He kept the ball moving as well. Uh, and Wendell Moore, you know, when I was maybe it's because they were playing against each other and they're both from Duke. This is kind of lazy, but I don't think he has superstar potential. But I think they also drafted him to kind of be like a guard Kyle Anderson version, like Swiss Army knife role player. He does have a little, you know, uh, dollar store Tyus Jones in him. Oh, Tyus man. knows how to move the ball, get the guy. I mean, if Tyus is out there, he knows who do I have to get the ball to? Who hasn't touched the ball in a while? Spin, like spin the ball around the perimeter, make an open shot, take a charge. That's Wendell Moore. So it was phenomenal to see him. I never thought in a hundred years he would be starting <laughs> this year. Um, so I was wrong on that one, but he was awesome. And I hope, you know, until they get some of these guys back, McLaughlin and Prince, I hope he stays in the rotation because Finch, can trust him. Yes. A shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, by the way. So not only have they been helping us build our business at Score North over the past few years, but they've been around for over 100 years, based in Owatonna, Minnesota, helping countless other businesses, risk management tools and resources, and a great guiding hand to help your business navigate choppy waters. Or even when the waters are smooth, it's great to have the experience <laughs> of... and we, you know, we're talking about the Timberwolves here, too, uh, which Federated has been a longtime partner of dating back many years. So find out more at federatedinsurance.com where it's our business to protect yours. I think it's time now for Phil and Kyle to dive into the comment section here. Love it. It's a segment we like to call Phil and Kyle. Read your comments. Let's start with Lucas here. Lucas Kofel via the Score North app. He says, uh, why do we not talk about Jalen Noel as the future of this team along with Ant and Jaden? It seems like anytime they ask him to, he runs all over teams. He can score at a high rate from three levels. Wouldn't call him a front-of-the-pack leader, but he brings alpha energy that we desperately need. And before you answer, I have three-man lineup combination updates for you as well. <laughs> ah, let's go. And the number two... Lineup combination in terms of th these are three man groupings. The second best is Anthony Edwards plus Jalen Noel plus Rudy Gobert. Those guys have played 90 minutes on the court together this season, and they are a plus 11 net per 100 possessions. It's interesting. Is that good? And that, no. that trio played well <laughs> last night together, too. I love, well, come on. If you're listening to this pod, you know that we're very pro Jalen Noel, um, probably the most confident player on the team, even maybe including Anthony Edwards, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. There are games though. And this is part of the reason why, you know, even though he was like all pac 12 player of the year, or whatever, like got drafted in the second round, he's a little smaller, doesn't give you as much defensively as ant. Um, he, that confidence though, is going to bring up games where he goes two for 10. Right. And when he's doing things confidently that he's not rewarding you, it's going to look really bad, but when it looks really good, it looks unstoppable. So yeah, his, he just seems to have a natural, I mean, again, he's just more dynamic than D'Lo getting to the rim. He's incredible in transition, by the way. He just, he absorbs oh. contact. He knows how to finish. He's tough. He got called for one of, I mean, not to be that guy, but officiating last night was some of the most horrendous officiating Dude, in the, the world. Quick, the quick technicals. Are we that insecure and thin skinned these days? NFL coaches, can pretty much like roast a ref's head off with a blowtorch. <laughs> yep. Yep. And they won't get flagged for a 15 yard penalty. Jalen Noel clapped after what he thought should have been an and one, right? Which he was goes, right. Come yeah. on. And immediate technical foul. Like, dude, swallow the whistle, man. If there's, if you ever call four or more technical fouls in a game, it, there has to be a malice in the palace. Like yeah. someone had to have fought a fan. Either Ron Artest was playing or, <laughs> or you're super thin skinned. Yeah. yeah. So that was, but again, he, he was great and he's, he's great in transition. He's one of the guys that this is what Finch wants to do. He wants to get out and run. He wants to attack the team's defense. So yeah, I love Jalen. He's going to be thrust into a bigger role. Um, I do just natural, but I think he's, you know, maybe occasionally worried about if I suck tonight, Am I going to get pulled from the rotation? Is Wendell going to replace my minutes? Is this going to affect my future payout next summer when I'm a free agent? But 
he, you know, sometimes all you need is an opportunity. Sometimes all you need is minutes. And with Carl out this team, are they a little better defensively? Maybe. Is it Ant's show? Maybe. But they need scoring. Because the one thing Carl did better than really anyone, almost anyone, was score the basket. And they need to get baskets. <laughs> they're yeah. not going to win a bunch of games holding. They're not going to hold opponents to 100 points or less all, all December. So big role for Jalen. Need him to produce. But yeah, he was phenomenal last night. It's kind of the, the two or the one A or one B to Ant's one A. It is really fun when Anthony Edwards and Jalen Noel are on the court. Just It's just a barrage of unwarranted confidence at sometimes and energy and fast break and uh, hand-in-your-face shots that are sort of ill-advised, but it works, man. Like, it is, statistically, it's it's one of the best things they can put out there as a team is anything with Jalen Noel and Anthony Edwards on the court at the same time. When you do the, uh, the Jalen Noel, Anthony Edwards, and Jordan McLaughlin trio, uh, let's see, I don't know if it, it's possible they haven't played enough minutes together to to show up on this, but that's another one where it's like you, okay, you have a point guard that's actively trying to get those guys offense mm-hmm. and, and doesn't need to get his own shots unless it swings back around to him in the corner. And then boom, like it's on him to, to make a three. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see him come back at some point. Do we have a timetable on that, by the way, on his calf injury? No, these calf injuries are so weird. I've been, the amount of Google hits I've had on calf injuries this week is very high, but right. Um, I, I know last night, I mean, I think Finch said this after the game, but they thought Jaden was going to play, which would have kind of shifted a lot of different things. So I expect him. He's on an illness, so he should be back Saturday. But those calves can be tricky. I know um, pregame he was warming up, you know, getting shots up, but maybe a couple more days. But they they do need him because, again, he's just another one of these Wendell Moore, Austin Rivers guys that does their job, gets the ball moving. Um, and without him, their offense is pretty limited. So hopefully by Saturday, but I, if not by Saturday, he's got to be back next Wednesday in their next game. So, yes. Okay. David Goldiger chimes Ooh, in via okay. the, the score North app here. He says, you can't just leave cat alone. Can you, he is your Kirk cousins of the Timberwolves. I'm guessing this is addressed to me specifically. <laughs> Uh, always wanting to start. You're always wanting to start something after they win a game without cat. Like he's the problem. I get so tired of it. Is it, is it unreasonable for me to pose the question that I did off the top of this podcast? Like, is it unfair? Is it going after cat in some way? I, uh, I don't, I don't think so because that I can like Carl and then people can still be like, yeah, but look at his, seven, eight years in the league. Like this, look at the win percentage, right? Like it is what it is. You've seen other guys in situations where they're top picks and they've just kind of elevated that franchise to levels that maybe this one hasn't. Um, I do have a soft spot. It's not kid gloves, but this organization is, you know, traditionally historically not well run. So that can make your job a little harder. Like what they're running down in Memphis helps jaw out because they just have competency and they make good draft picks and they, you know, they don't, burn down the house every time they're trying to do something so but there is this other level to like the personality thing the leadership thing the thing we hammer every week last night ant drove the bus and the bus just looked faster and on the rails more and everything and i i guess we just don't really see that with carl as much again i don't think it makes you a bad person if you're not an inspirational leader but if you need inspiration and you need a leader you got to look somewhere else and last night Ant kind of grabbed the baton and unfortunately, and this this happened with Kevin Love, and it kind of happened with Wiggins too, where you mm-hmm. you get a player that, okay, when they arrive, they're sort of okay. They are the it's a bad team, and that's the young player that's going to grow into the leader and the mm-hmm. driver of franchise success. Mm-hmm. And then a few years go by, and that player is performing fairly well, but but it's but it's obvious that they're not necessarily you know, one of like the five or 10 most influential players in the NBA. They haven't, they haven't lived up to the lofty expectation that, that you set out mm-hmm. when they were younger. And so then they have sort of two choices and the franchise does too. You can come to terms with it and find a way to keep them around. Cause no one's just like cat. No one's saying that they're worthless or mm-hmm. bad. It's just that they're not living up to what the franchise thought or needed from them. And in the case of Andrew Wiggins or Kevin Love, they had to go elsewhere. And Kevin Love just kind of got mad about the whole contract situation. That mm-hmm. was more of a falling out 
Wiggins was more of just a straight-up trade. It wasn't like they had a falling out. But in both cases, those guys had to go somewhere else, settle into a new, more complementary role, mm-hmm. where all of a sudden now, instead of Wiggins being, hey, man, we need you to be this efficient scorer that's just running the show offensively to save the franchise. And he's like, that's not really me. I'd rather just be like the third or fourth guy doing the two main things you ask of me and then grow into it. And Kevin Love, okay, you're going to have to kind of just go play behind, like, I don't know, uh, Kyrie Irving and LeBron James Mm -hmm. and go shoot threes in the corner. Maybe like once late in the playoff game, be a pesk defensively on Steph Curry and win us a game six or whatever. And so with Carl, I would love to see a scenario at some point where this just sort of naturally evolves into not him having a falling out and being gone, but him just naturally being like the second or third guy. And like you said, it's Ant driving the bus, but Carl's on the bus. You could still use, I don't know, the greatest seven-foot shooter of all time on your bus. Mm -hmm. But half the time, it's like it takes a falling out with the organization or a guy needing a change of scenery to get to where he's supposed to be in the NBA. Yeah, and that's why I think your question is valid. I just don't maybe like how it's generally worded of, is this team better without him? Because I I think the answer is no. But what you just said, no one's really done that too much, I don't think, in other areas of this media like the Carl and Kevin comp is really good because like you said Kevin Love was supposed to kind of save this franchise when he was the guy and it just it just couldn't happen I don't think Carl does anything to bring this franchise down like maybe we've seen sometimes with D'Lo's you know lack of shooting or performance or Wiggins lack of hustle or even Gobert like I don't think Carl's doing anything to bring this team down but I don't know if he's doing enough to bring it up and if Carl is stamped and approved as a third best player on a title team, as Bill Simmons always like to say, well, if you want to win a title with this mix of guys or, you know, this Anthony Edwards foundation, you need a third guy to help win that title. And I think that's what Carl could do. So can you enroll in that role or that position in the same team that you used to be the one? I don't know. I guess we're going we're gonna to have to find that out because Conley Towns is going to play basketball again this season with most or if all of these guys. Yeah. But I, I think it's a really interesting comp because ke- that, that Cleveland team doesn't win a title without Kevin Love. See, but he's yes. not the guy. He's not the that, one. He's not the two. He was the three, but they don't win it without the three. Isn't that funny the way you, the way you frame it there? If you were to ask, so what year did that happen? It was nine years ago because mm-hmm. this is Kevin Love's ninth year with, with the Cavs. So if you would have asked the Timberwolves 10 years ago, are the Timberwolves better potentially without Kevin Love? And a lot of people, maybe even me 10 years ago, would have said, well, yeah, I mean, I just he's just kind of, him as the centerpiece is not, mm-hmm. it's not going to get you as far as you want to go. But if you would have asked the Cavs a year later or two years later, do the Cavs win a championship without Kevin Love? Yeah, The answer exactly. is no. So it's all, it's, and he's the same player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, same it's, player it's doing his, his, his role. Andrew Wiggins. Do the do the Warriors win that title without Wiggins? No, they don't. Well, and that's Which that's is, a that's another one that's kind of brilliant. Like Andrew Wiggins is your second best player. Can you like could you win a title in Minnesota? Or could are you better without Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota? It's like I don't know. But then in Golden State, it's like, dude, they need he was their second best player by far in those in those finals. Yeah. Like better than Draymond, better than Clay. So it's an interesting thing. And again, we're gonna just not talk about Carl for a month, probably, but He's going to come back, and does he just come back into a Kevin Love in Cleveland role where I just occasionally block a shot, grab some rebounds, shoot a ton of threes? Um, I'm not doing as much driving. I'm not, you know, trying to be Giannis. Like it's it's all Ant. It's all Ant and Jalen, or you know, Ant and God forbid Wendell Moore at the time, or maybe Delo's still here. Um, I I just <laughs> I know people scoff at this whole alpha thing, this one A, this you know second best guy in a title contender team, but I've watched 34 years of the NBA. Like it matters. That's hierarchy stuff matters. These teams yes. in the top of the standings. I hope we do standings update. The teams at the top of the standings, oh, uh, oh, we they have will. a like the Phoenix Suns know it's Devin Booker eats first, and then DeAndre Eaton, 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 you know, Eaton is eaten second. Um, not exclusively for ego purposes, but because that is the best how, way to get them to it, maximize their team. Exactly. It's not just, you know, politics. It's literally production. This is how we are at our best. If it's Devin one and then, you know, eight and two, or I mean, Giannis one, and then it's Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday two. Jason Tatum is the guy who's going to get the most shots. He's it's a, it's a guards league still, or it's a wings league for the most part. 
even though you think of Jokic winning MVP, you think of Embiid, it's these teams with these guards, Steph Curry, Devin Booker, Jason Tatum. Like those are the guys that take you to the promised land. And that's what we kind of saw last night with Ant is that if you have him driving the bus, you might be able to go further on the road than you could before. So maybe then for for knuckleheads like me that are trying to kind of figure out what does this mean, you know, what's, when you, is, is it the Ewing is it the Ewing theory, Bill Simmons? So to summarize this whole conversation, it's less about extracting cat. Maybe there's some of that last night, and it's more about elevating Ant. Mm-hmm. And if you can find a way to elevate Ant, empower Ant, and have Carl seamlessly egolessly slide into a little bit more of a complimentary role where you know what you're not going to be you're not going to be Jokic mm-hmm. who's just like everything's running through him in the fourth quarter because he is a brilliant decision maker and has the emotional intelligence of a top player like sometimes you're going to just be like standing off in the corner almost like during the Jimmy Butler days from five years ago you're not you're not we're, we're not going to necessarily trust you to run everything and make decisions in moments of basketball crisis. Yep. Because that's not the best thing for the team. But we definitely want you hitting mm-hmm. three-point shots when the ball comes back around to you in certain key moments. So it's more about elevating it, not about extracting cat. Yep. I don't I don't think you need to extract Carlante Towns. I think you just need to like repurpose him, right? Like have you don't have to carry this franchise anymore. You're not the only talented player on the team. You have guys that might have a higher ceiling than you. Um, and, and this is where I probably dig my feet in the most. I think asking star players that get awards and make max contracts to like take a back seat is, I don't think we realize how many players won't do that. Yeah. And I do think this is where I plant my flag. I think Carl will, I don't think Carl has to be the guy that's on the billboard. From what I know of him, even behind the scenes, that's where I'm always like, he's a good teammate. He's a good teammate. I think he would be okay. But now, like, it was still, a, you know, this kind of bobble. If Ant just takes it in December, then Carl doesn't have to come back and, like, you don't get to argue. Like, it's, you're now it's just, just done. It's, it's done. Just done. And here it is. Here's the new dynamic. Yes. Yep. Yep. Well, you asked for it. Would you like to take a look at the Western Conference playoff <laughs> picture I here, would. Kyle? All right. Let's do it. All right. Here it is. The Western. We'll play five seconds of that so we don't get uh, <laughs> copyright violation. Um Right now, as of today, the Minnesota Timberwolves are in a three-way tie for the eighth spot in the Western Conference playoff picture. I don't know if the so they are seated ninth. I don't know if that's uh, if it's like a no, it's not conference record. So I don't know why they're seated ninth. Uh, what the tiebreaker is there, but let's just say uh, they would be the ninth seed according to ESPN.com, and uh, that means they would play the Portland Trailblazers in the the first iteration of the play-in tournament. So the Phoenix Suns are 15 and 6. They sit atop the West. Denver Nuggets, New Orleans Pelicans, Memphis Grizzlies are your home court first round teams. Clippers in the five spot. The Kings, the highest scoring offense in like 30 years. And the, they're averaging they're 120 points a night. Incredible. And then you got the, the sliding Jazz. They finally stopped their five game losing streak in the seventh spot. Warriors up to the eight. Wolves nine. Blazers 10. Mavericks. I guess technically are also tied with those teams because they are 10 and 10. Uh, and then everyone else is multiple games below 500. Thunder, Lakers, Spurs, Rockets. So you basically have 11 teams in the Western Conference playoff picture uh, right now anyways, and then a bunch of teams well below 500. And listen, we started this whole pod with 50 is nifty and like a top four seed. We're probably not there right now. Maybe we'll get back there in December. But you're also starting to see, too, some of the early – you know, again, I've said this is a marathon. There were a couple teams that really started mile one and two in an all-out sprint and didn't realize how long this is. So, yeah, the Jazz, I think they're like three and seven in their last ten. The Blazers, two and eight in their last ten. So, the Wolves, this is the Western Conference is going to be about ten and a half teams competing for ten spots as we graduate to 2023. And even with the Wolves being down Carl, once they get some of these guys back, you know, predominantly Jaden McDaniels, they're going to be fine as long as they can do what they did last night and do all the little things, just play with a purpose, play as if every team on the schedule is their rival and not just bring it, you know, half the time. Um, the playoffs are still, I mean, I know we have been all over the map on this roller coaster ride, but playoffs are still very much part of this team's future. 
It's just navigating these waters without Carl of how far can you move yourself up and where can you position yourself? Because as I've said before, the schedule is going to get easier as more and more of these teams in February and March just punt on the season. Even teams that are like seventh in the West, they're going to punt come March and April. So, Uh, Do you think they can go 39 and 21 or better the rest of the way? To get to to get to fifty wins, is that what it would be? Thirty nine and thirty nine and twenty one. Fantastic question. I kind of I'm just gonna say I've looked at the schedule and there's not a ton of really awesome teams in December. I have them like at ten and five, so they'd be twenty one and sixteen. That's a the number you throw out is a lot, um, <laughs> but I will say under. I I'm gonna keep the fiftieth wow. nifty hashtag. The, oh, you're already <laughs> off the. You've bailed. Cancel the shirt. It's December first, and Kyle is off the fifty win bandwagon. Look at this. Cancel the shirts. But I'm no, not I mean, done with it yet. Uh, I would say if, if 48 was the over-under number, I would still cling to 48. I know that I'm splitting hairs there, but I think 48 okay. they can get to. 50 is a little more aggressive, but they really, again, it was so dark at halftime in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and it has gotten a little lighter by just, for the Bye. short term, extracting a player. But now if they can figure out the, the new leadership organizational chart, and repurpose some of those assets into better roles. There's no reason they can't figure this out. I think I've got them on 60 wins after what we saw last time. If Cat <laughs> wants to, you know, again? stretch out that calf for a third month, then I think it'd be fine. <laughs> Can they win like the next 14 straight games? That'd be awesome. <laughs> well, we'll discuss on Monday once they have two or three more under their belt on flagrant house here. If you guys could please click the subscribe yes, button and the like button on the score North YouTube channel. You can also follow flagrant howls on twitter now and uh, if you could leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on apple Podcasts, all of these things help spread the word about this timberwolves lifestyle podcast here where we are absolutely riding a roller coaster (laughs) along with most fans just ridiculous but they're never dull man they are interesting if nothing else to start the season 22 games in (laughs) we we thought tim Connolly was going to be unemployed on the first of december after that Wizards game, and now last night, Ant's hugging him behind the scenes saying, this is my best friend. Extension. (laughs) (laughs) Just all over the place. It's crazy what 48 minutes can do, but uh, 11 and 11, big game on Saturday against the Thunder. Uh, New month, 15 games. Uh, The Anthony Edwards show is about to take off. Let's get it. All right, thanks for hanging out with us here, and thanks for for breathing into your brown paper bags as you watch Timberwolves (laughs) games and uh, hanging out with us on Flagrant House, the Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.